Hey guys, welcome to Not Just a Hashtag Podcast, presented by Trees of Hope. I'm your host, Nicole Escobar, with my co-hosts, Anissa, Kristen, and Mariah. On this podcast, we will be discussing the epidemic of sexual abuse, its realities, and the unfiltered ways in which it has affected all of our lives. We share our personal stories and how our lives have been restored. While this podcast is for everyone, we do want to let you know that we use several trigger words, and this is geared more towards adult audiences. This podcast is for anyone who wants to educate themselves on the statistics behind sexual abuse, signs to look out for, and how to prevent it from happening. So let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to episode eight of the Not Just a Hashtag podcast. I am so excited to be here today with my gals. Every gal is here today. I'm so grateful. We, we missed you guys last week, but we had D, which was an amazing treat. But how are you guys doing? Mm. I'm okay. <laughs> Anissa's okay. <laughs> I'm speaking in the third person. How okay am I? <laughs> excited to be here excited for us to be back yeah together the four of us yeah yeah, yeah i'm excited like- about this episode sorry Kristen. yeah i'm ex- <laughs> i'm excited because i think um when we talk about what we're going to talk about today i think it's like one of those light bulb moments when you're like oh my gosh my life can look different mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um it inspires you to want to start that journey of healing i love that yeah i'm excited too especially about this topic yeah this one's so a good one be good So the main goal of this episode is for you to be able to recognize and learn to replace any false beliefs that you have about yourself and your abuse. This was a huge hurdle for me to get over is believing false beliefs as truths and they just aren't truths. False beliefs complicate recovery for themselves. Okay. <laughs> False beliefs complicate. Is that complicate? Yeah. Okay. I struggle with that word. I don't know why. It's okay. It's complicated. It's complicated. <laughs> so false beliefs complicate recovery from your sexual abuse. The experience of being sexually abused almost always leaves a victim feeling damaged and leaving them with a set of false beliefs about their value and worth. And like I said, these are held as absolute truths. These false beliefs and ideas can mistakenly give you guilt and destroy your self-esteem. And they can assign undeserved responsibility on you. And it's just not the truth. The truth is is that what happened to you is not your fault. But we've all carried these false beliefs with us, every single one of us here. So one of the four major false beliefs that people have, which there is four, and uh, let me summarize them first, it's my fault. I must be a terrible person in order for this to have happened to me. I wanted him or her to do this to me, and it didn't happen. I must have made it up. So let's go over lie number one. It is my fault. If you've ever said this, um, it should have happened, or I shouldn't have gone there, or if I hadn't opened that door, if I hadn't gone with that guy there, or whatever, it's basically you trying to take responsibility for your abuse. And a lot of times, the perpetrator will establish in the victim's mind the concept that we are doing this together, that this was us, that we are responsible for this. 
And this is just a concept that becomes firmly cemented in your victim's mind because they think of all the times they could have asked the abuser to stop doing something. And the reality is, is that you're a survivor. You rarely, if ever, had any control or could have stopped the abuse as it was happening. I mean, I think about mine every time I hear this Um, it's my fault and that was something I had to deal with my whole life you know I walked into a bush so I thought it was my fault Um, the reason why I never told my parents is because of that shame of that and you know it's just not true I that's a belief that I created in my mind and made it an absolute truth so what are your guys thoughts on that one who struggled with that I think, I mean, because that is one of the most common ones, um, I've definitely talked before about the idea of something being my fault, and especially when you're intoxicated, and there were so many times that there was a sexual violation that took place while I was drunk or high, or just in situations that I definitely could have avoided, and so I think it's very easy to start playing in your mind what you could have done differently to have not been in that situation. I think we do this all the time when bad things happen like oh my gosh if I would have just left my house five minutes later that thing wouldn't have happened so I I know for me I always go back to if I hadn't been drunk and passed out at this person's house then that just wouldn't have happened yeah I relate to that especially since the same thing happened to me while I was intoxicated Um, and I feel like if I never was you know drunk that night it would never happened um both times or if I um you know if I never still hung out with that person and pretended that everything was okay then maybe something could have stopped way before and so you know that in and you know the childhood sexual abuse those comments were actually being said to me that you know don't tell anyone or they'll know that you wanted this or that it's your fault or that Um, you were a participant basically Um, and so with that being said and other people's belief that it is your fault you know well why didn't you do this or you shouldn't have worn that or um, you should have never went back there again knowing that that happened and so not only do you have your own sense of false belief and the shame that tells you that you have other people's shame and them trying to make sense of it and them as well making feeling as if there was a fault there. I think sometimes too, especially um, for childhood sexual abuse, um, we'll go back and think of it as adults and try to then see the situation as an adult saying, why didn't I say anything? Why didn't I report this? That kind of thing. But what we have to understand and remember is that a lot of times, especially again, when I'm talking about childhood sexual abuse, this happened when you were a child, you didn't have the same freedom. You weren't an adult to be able to just say or get out of the situation um, or report something. You know, you didn't have that freedom. Many times, um, a lot of times rather, uh, the perpetrators were people that were actually in charge of you or responsible for taking care of you. So um, we have to remember that our perspective can be limited again or biased based on the fact that we're looking back as an adult into a situation that happened as a child. Um, something I wanted to share that I saw this weekend, I was uh, listening to the show on Netflix called My Next Guest Needs No Introduction. It's Dave Letterman. He has different um, guests on. 
And this particular interview uh, was with uh, Ellen DeGeneres, and she was talking about a story that I hadn't heard from her um, of uh, childhood sexual abuse that happened to her. It was from her stepfather. And um, I can't remember the age that she was, but I think it was in the range from about 8 to 11. Um, and he told, basically said something along the lines to her that, oh, I need to touch your breasts because your mother just had breast cancer surgery and so forth, so I'm not going to know how it feels or, or something. He came up with some some story excuse for this and and the way in which she explained it was she was had she not been so weak she would have stopped it or said something and i think you know it was it was one of those um, things that was hard to watch because i just um i so much wanted to say to her oh my goodness you were just a kid this had nothing to do with weakness vulnerability yes because you were a kid but this was not weakness and it was not your fault and just the way in which she was describing it, it, um, it seemed at least, you know, from an interview that, you know, she was still taking some responsibility for it. So it's so easy to be in that place if it's my fault. Yeah. And even if you're an adult and you exactly had not said n- no, but you clearly did not want to have sex with that person, that's still sexual abuse and the blame falls on that person yep, but if you were intoxicated like anisa has been talking about there you go you're still you had no ability to say anything to consent exactly yeah. and sexual abuse is so much more than just sexual abuse especially to the perpetrator it's about breaking psychological boundaries and emotional boundaries so a lot of times those have already been crossed before even sex has happened so in maybe anisa's case these people that you dated or whatever that did what they did to you it's like you had you you could talk for hours about how they tried to control you and do other things manipulate you in other ways so they were already crossing boundaries with you way before they sexually abused you. Absolutely. And I think Nicole has definitely said this in a previous podcast, and it really meant a lot to me to hear her say it. She was talking about a conversation she was having with a friend, and the friend at the end of the conversation, Nicole point blank asked her, did you want to do any of these things with this person? And she said, no, I really didn't. And Nicole was like, then that was just a sexual violation. And when Nicole said that, and I haven't even said this to her, but it really like was refreshing for my spirit because every single sexual interaction I ever had before, I really gave my life to Christ. And even when I did get serious about my relationship with Jesus, I still made really dumb decisions and put myself in bad situations. But I hated every single sexual interaction I ever had with a guy and I would just do it to get it over with because I knew like this is where we're going to end up and this is what he wants so let me just get it out of the way so that way it's done with and I never viewed that as sexual violation because I did view it I really did consent and I just made it happen as quickly as possible and the entire time I was thinking like okay just hurry and finish so we can be done with this interaction so when Nicole talked about that that conversation with her friend I just felt so seen and heard in a different way and I don't know if you're listening to this and you think like okay every sexual interaction I've had I've hated it but I've definitely played a part and almost been like complicit in it happening and giving my consent but if you didn't want it to happen there was sexual violation there and I am so sorry because I know walking away from those things I felt like this is totally my fault and I can't put the blame on anyone this wasn't rape I made it happen faster to just get it over with but there still was a damaging done to your soul 
and healing that needs to happen from that. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, we'll get into the consequences of some of these. And, and one of them is, like, a continued abuse down the road. And I think, like, that's a huge when it happens multiple times and that is actually very common then it's like see it is my fault then there is something that I'm doing to to say like yeah go ahead and abuse me um, and there's reasons for that and when you understand what those are it's going to help you release that lie that actually keeps you stuck from recovering right. so and I think there's another point in the sense of um like for instance, childhood sexual abuse, or there's a relational side of that for me was my brother. So I I enjoyed like wanting to be hung, like wanted to be picked on a team or like that he wants, like that he's saying things like you're my favorite sibling or whatever. And so there's that confusion of, well, I desire that, but I don't want you to defile me. And so then you think, well, if, you know, if that wasn't a desire, then it would have never happened. And that can kind of shut you off from desiring that in relationships now. Mm. Which actually leads me to my um, second point um, on this topic, which is we encourage you to identify those self-blaming statements that you've made and work to replace them with truth, just like you're talking about, is that you believed a lie. And now you have to come to a place where you say, okay, now I'm going to have to fill this lie up with or replace it with the truth. And so the, here's the lie is, um, it's my fault because I enjoyed the attention he gave me. But the truth is, is that attention is healthy and a human need. It's normal to enjoy attention. And I wanted attention. I didn't want sex. Hello. That's a huge one, right? Yeah. Like, I wish we could all say that at the end of our statements. Like I wanted to, for me, I wanted to go into the bushes with Joe because I thought it was something cute and fun was going to happen in there I didn't want him to molest me okay hello like I need to reassure myself of these statements all the time because I did this it's my fault constantly that's why I never spoke up and um well and if I can say I think sometimes too people get um stuck with the you know thinking that it's my fault because there's some if it's your fault then you had some amount of control in the situation to acknowledge that it's not your fault is to acknowledge that that you were out of control you know that the situation was out of your control and that's a very scary thing to acknowledge our powerlessness and so that's something that I have to work through with um with clients as well is to move from that that sense of um to acknowledge their powerlessness in that situation and then to help empower them for the future that's true that is true that was good yeah it really was (laughs) really good because like now when you say that one of the things that comes to my mind is that's why a lot of people who have um been sexually abused struggle with control down the road because they want to regain what they had lost is that right absolutely yeah Mm mm-hmm Wow, this is good. All right, so the lie number two is I must be a terrible person in order for him or her to have done this to me. And most children want to believe or do believe that adults can do no wrong. I mean, geez, we all believe that, right? Even as adults, we believe other adults who are in power can do no wrong. Generally, when an adult does something bad or wrong, the child somehow thinks that they caused the adult to do it. And frequently, the abuser is someone that the victim admires in some way. I mean, I admired mine. Yes. We all did in some way. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. And so when a victim believes that the first lie we mentioned, which is it's my fault, the second lie falls so closely behind 
mind. And some true statements to counter this belief would be that the responsibility for the abuse belongs to the abuser. Or I'm a special person created by God. I was vulnerable, but I am worthy of respect and love. Victims often try to hold on to the positive aspects of relationships with their abuser by viewing themselves as dirty or undeserving of their respect. I mean, geez, we all have done that, right? Speak the truth and allow the shame of guilt to fall on the people who committed the abuse. And let me just say, the crime, okay? It's a, it crime, is a crime against you if someone sexually abused you. It's not just a sin. Yeah, that's huge in God's eyes, but in the world's economy, it's a crime, okay? So when you do this, you will not be making them guilty. You will be simply recognizing the truth of their guilt, that they are responsible for what they have done to you. And remember, they have done something against you. We should really be just saying, gosh, we want nothing to do with these people. We hate them. Not hate, like hate, hate, but like, well, can we hate? Yeah. Can we hate them? Well, I think hate would happen. Sure. Yeah. And okay. I think sometimes you're going to, you are going to sometimes hate the person. hate the person. Yeah. And then that's something to work through as well. Yeah. And I think to feel hatred um, would be a natural reaction to having been victimized. Yeah. So true. So anybody have a good example for this one of how you, this one affected you? I, when I read this second lie, I was so wrecked and it brought to mind a phone call I made to my poor little sister. She was a lot younger than she is now at the time. And so I feel like there was so much weight that I put on her, but I just started looking at my history of just my sexual history in general. And I remember looking at everything and being like, okay, who is the common denominator here? Me. So what is it about me that is so easy to disrespect and violate? I'm clearly the problem. I am just this stupid slut that will let anyone in. And I remember I called my sister and I was sobbing, inconsolable. She could hardly understand me. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why am I just so worthy of this? awful treatment from person after person after person and two I think what was really really hard is to suffer sexual violation from a man and then see him enter into what appeared to me to be a healthy monogamous relationship with a really awesome girl that I knew especially when I was in college so I would just I would receive sexual harassment or I would be a one-night stand for a ministry major and then I would see him start dating this really awesome girl and feel like okay clearly it's not him it's me I am just awful and I don't understand what is so broken inside of me that is almost just this like blue light special that brings everyone in why am I such a target there's just something so visibly off about me that attracts these terrible people and my little sister was just listening to me and you know she was she was really there for me I I feel like at that time even now I feel like to dump that on somebody would just be very overwhelming and a lot but this was something I really struggled with because I felt like okay no one can tell me that I'm wrong because I'm literally looking at everything and I'm the common denominator over and over and over again there's no other commonality in these situations apart from me so what does that say I'm the terrible person and I, I deserve this So that was like huge for me to work through because I felt like, well, what is it then? Honestly, what could it be apart from myself just being worthy of this disrespect and this just being used by people? So I I really, this one made me so sad to read because I remember being so stuck and feeling like this is all I'm ever 
going to be is people's one night stand. This is just all I'm ever going to be is someone's hookup buddy. Like I'm never going to be in a healthy, happy relationship. And it took forever to really break myself out of it. Well, and I think kind of just bouncing off that too, we talked about hatred a minute ago and that I think sometimes what will happen is even deeper. It's not hatred of the other person. It's hatred of self. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Which perpetuates all these lies as well. Yeah. I think all my hate went towards myself. So I relate a lot to what you said, Anissa, like honestly, I'm totally tracking with you in the sense of how you felt. And I think all my hate just went towards myself and you know, whether I um, held on to that actual statement, the hate still stuck. And so um, just affecting my whole life. And, um, you know, if any kind of harm happened later, it's because it's because of something I did. And so with mine, you know, as far as I knew, the people who abused me didn't abuse anyone else. So I'm like, so what's different about me? What's wrong with me to make them feel like I could be Um, violated and so really in the sense of being vulnerable I hated that I was a vulnerable person you know like I have family that are like tough and um, you know like you know they stood up for themselves and because I'm I freeze or I I let people walk on me or whatever however you want to say it it would have never happened and so I despise myself um, and I have to fight that seriously every day to not despise myself and to be kind and compassionate and I think that was the biggest thing um, as far as how I move forward in that is um, putting that anger on the right person and then being compassionate and kind and seeing myself as not dirty and disgusting um, because I did I looked I felt dirty I thought I was dirty um, I even made excuses for my brother like well he was um a trouble kid and maybe something happened to him and instead of really coming to terms with um putting that responsibility on him so I just took it all on myself inward and I even was like kind of rescuing him in the midst of that so um yeah guys thanks for sharing I mean that is so good that's I mean right when you started talking Anissa I'm like wow you're throwing me back to something I've said I didn't even put myself into that one I always said I never thought that but actually I did think that with all of the sexual encounters that I did have um that were crappy that ended up turning where where they would just one night stand me and then go ghost on me and then go date someone else and be like madly in love and then like ask them to marry them and I'm like wow I must be a total loser like total tool that I'm this is I'm and I must be reflecting that because they talk about the law of attraction right so I must be attracting that And maybe all it was in those situations, at least for me, is that I was dating losers because I was living in my own muck of crap. And like, I felt that was all I could attract. And so I never, my standard just was not high. So I attracted losers that, and yeah, if you're listening and you dated me, Nicole Oliva, my (laughs) old name was, you're a freaking loser. I'm not a loser. We love Nicole. <laughs> That's right. I, I will say too, and not that this is super imperative, really like even necessary to be said, but 
we and that was from my perspective having no idea like I could look on at these relationships that took place after I slept with this guy and then in my mind I'm like oh my gosh he respects her so much but I had no idea what was happening behind closed doors and that's always so true like social media is like one of the most toxic things out there honestly Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I think that I would see like on Facebook and Instagram and all these different things like this relationship that looked so healthy I really had no idea and I was very ready to project and be like you know all worked up about like I'm just trash and everyone knows it and look at this girl would never do the things that I did with him but I didn't know I had no idea so I know that that was also my really unhealthy state of mind and just like my like totally non-existent Mm self-worth too but yeah go ahead when you believe that too you look for evidence to support it yeah yeah so that's the way wow. yeah ouch yeah so then <laughs> first of all that's true though. <laughs> no that's good Kristen. jace um okay so now lie number three is i wanted him or her to do this to me so as a matter of physiology victims can enjoy a part of the stimulation that occurred during the abuse our bodies were created for healthy sexual intercourse and we were made to enjoy sex and you're not a terrible person if your body responded sexually to that stimulation. They did something to you, not your body. Your body did not fail you. The false belief that you wanted the abuse because of the natural response of your body can trap you in your mind and it can really hold you captive. So you need to replace that false belief with things like my body naturally responded to a stimulation. The person who abused me is responsible. A child cannot be responsible for the actions of an adult. You have to accept that your body was created and let it and let go of that lie that it did something that you did not want it to do. It was meant to do that. And you just have to remember in the most loving relationships, you want that to happen. Mm-hmm. You really do. Yeah. And I think that if someone who didn't want to do it wouldn't have shame, guilt, confusion, violation afterwards, like if you felt that it's like as simple as that and it seems simple but when you believe it anything that comes against it feels like a lie and so for me i was a victim of childhood sexual abuse and during that time i was stimulated i i never felt that before and so when something feels good but something is bad and you and psychologically you're confused and you feel shame and you hate it then for me I hated my body and then I hated myself and then I felt like I must have wanted this to keep happening um and I know that you guys could actually probably relate to that because you hear a lot of stories of that because your body is meant to respond to stimulation but not against your will and not in a defiled way Well, and I think too, until you work more through it, you can still have some of those same feelings, even in healthy sexual interactions. And that's important to hear too. It doesn't mean that because you have, because shame or guilt comes up for you in a healthy sexual interaction that you're wanting to be a part of, that something was wrong with that interaction. It's likely because you need some healing and to work through some things because that's just old and it's triggering back to old things that happened. 
Yeah, that's me. A hundred percent. Um, you know, I think about me and I've, I totally had that mindset like, oh, this will go away when I'm in a context of a marriage and I'll be so free. And although in many ways I am, I do absolutely, you know, feel very free to be with my husband in many ways, but he'll do certain things and I'll be like, and he'll see my face and he'll be like, like I've said before, this is safe. You know, I'm with you and he'll hold my face and stuff and God bless that man. But, um, you know, the the thing is, is that I, I go, wow, I can't believe I'm still triggered by something like this when, and this is where that false belief will come back, when what I had gone through was so minimal. Like, what's wrong with you, Nicole? Mm-hmm. And I'll say that over and over, and it's not. And that's the, re- and you gotta, if you're anything like me, the way to heal from that is to constantly be saying to yourself, what you went through is not minimal. You what It changed your life. Um, in the context of a marriage and I want to be sexual and enjoy sexual relationships with my husband, you have to almost get your words out in front of you by being positive about it. And one of the major areas I've shared this before I struggle with is touch. I really don't like being touched, but I told myself today, and maybe this is the first day of my new life. I don't know, but, um, (laughs) I'm starting to say like, I love touch and I'm going to freaking embrace each one of you every time I see you guys okay because I'm going to make that change I want to change that and so when Raph kisses me or grabs my breasts when I don't want him to instead of turning around and being like you violated me I'm gonna be like "Ooh, that felt good babe (laughs) (laughs) I have to do that guys no I really powerful to state the truth no and you know what I think too like going along with what Nicole said I think that I like really almost kind of like set myself up for failure when it came to sex in my married life because I not that David and I are failing at sex in our married life things are fine but I kept thinking like oh my gosh sex in the right context is going to be like so mind-blowing and incredible and I'm never going to have any problems with intimacy because it's with the man I'm supposed to be with and so like it was something that David and I had to talk through a lot because I did feel like okay why why do I like close up in certain situations like in our sex life or like why are there certain things that just make me feel really bad and really sad Like there were certain things that would happen that I just feel like, oh my gosh, why am I like on the brink of crying right now? But it's because those things had happened with an awful person that really took advantage of me and it brought up memories. And then David wanted to talk with me through it. And that was so pivotal in bringing us even closer together. So I really think like if you're someone who is on the brink of getting married or maybe you feel disappointed with how you're reacting in your sex life, now that you are married, it's so normal. And I think I just really expected myself like Nicole was saying, like, she is free. I do feel very free, but there's still things that happen in our sex life in the most perfect, beautiful context that make me feel ashamed and really guilty. Yeah, I think for me, I'm single. <laughs> and um, honestly, that is one of my biggest fears. Like, I I set myself up for failure because I'm already I'm already ready for it to fail. And um, for me, stimulation is dirty, and it's associated with shame. And I don't like the idea of someone also sharing my body. And so one of my fears is, like one of my biggest fears is getting married and having a relationship and not wanting to be touched and being afraid to not say what I need because I freeze up and I do things I don't want to do. I just can't say 
I just don't feel like I can. And, you know, that might set me up and I'm on the journey of allowing myself to feel safe and not setting myself up for just failure and maybe getting some tools ahead of time. But it's definitely kept me from relationships and fear of like going there. And, um, you know, I'm 32, I'm not married. Not that that's probably the reason, but I think it has a lot to do with why I've had shut down my heart and, and really had this big wall over me because I was just afraid. Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually feel embarrassed when if, if I ever dated someone, I actually feel shame. It's not a free, I never, never felt free. So it's just one of those things that are challenging. Well, I think, you know, what's amazing though, too, is how, uh, one of the things that, um, some of what Nicole and Anissa were sharing is, um, I think so powerful in what they were saying about their relationships and how patient their husbands have been. I think so much healing can happen when you have that and communication as much as we hear that again and again about relationships and marriage, it's so important. And particularly if this is what you um, have gone through in the past, you're going to have to talk through some of these things, some of these uncomfortable things you're going to have to talk through, like, you know, your reactions and how things make you feel and so forth. And it does require patience, but it's not insurmountable. Right. There's always hope because I think um, God really does want to bring us to a place of healing. Yeah, and, and geez, I mean, the point of marriage not only is to be in a loving relationships, but it's in a um, context of showing what Christ has done on the cross for us by coming one with us. And, you know, as much as we can join together and have that intimacy is probably the best for a marriage. And it's definitely, especially I'm trying to have a baby and it's hard. It definitely slows us down and you know, you, I come here and I talk about sexual abuse all day. So I bring that mindset home and I'm like, everything that poor man does, I'm like, that's sexual abuse. And I like almost want to like call the police on him sometimes. Cause he's, you know, he's grabby and he like loves to touch me, but I'm like, I'm not ready yet. So it's hard, you know, but you definitely have to communicate like Kristen was saying, um, as much as possible. And some of the weirdest conversations have, have been had at our dinner table, like, babe, when I did that, how did that feel? Um, I know, you know, and it's like, I never thought I'd be actually sitting down, eating dinner, talking about sexual things, but you have to do it in order to make the bedroom safe. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And not make them your enemy. Exactly. I think yeah. that's what my tendency is. If, yeah. if I get triggered, triggered by someone, you're automatically my enemy, even if I don't realize I did it. Totally. Mm. And not to make gender stereotypes at all, but I think that, you know, for girls, it makes all the sense in the world why we're shutting down and why we don't want to do certain things. But for men, for my husband, it's like, how was I supposed to know that, Anissa? I'm not a mind reader. Like, you have to tell me. And I'll get frustrated because I'm like, how do you think it's going to make me feel that you just smacked my butt out of nowhere? And, you know, I'm, I'm doing things and you just come up and you touch me. And David is like, now I know. Okay. Like, just got to tell me. So I think, like, just like Kristen said, communication is so key. And that does cultivate a really beautiful atmosphere for intimacy in the bedroom when you're able to have conversations at the dinner table about, like, yeah, I didn't like this, or this is what I like. Thanks, Anissa. That was great. Good feedback. Uh, so then the next lie that we have is number four, which is it didn't happen. I must have made it up. And honestly, this is where I lived a lot of my life. So if I didn't live in it's my fault, I just went right into, wait, 
it's not it's i made it up so it was a figment of your imagination kind of thing or i made a bigger deal out of it than it needed to be and so sometimes memories of sexual abuse come in fragments and i have to be honest like as you guys have been talking several times i remember one time eating popcorn with someone the same boy who sexually abused me and him grabbing my you know crotch and that came when i was sitting here just talking about something weird okay and sometimes you don't want to remember at least i don't i just need to have the generalization that it happened i don't need to keep remembering stuff but what we remember can confuse or puzzle us so we have a difficulty believing ourselves and think that others have even more difficulty accepting our story so what i've done in that is basically i've said to myself because i'm fragmented my family is also fragmented and they're not going to believe my story because i've had to work really hard to remember these memories and to believe them to be true for myself so that's been really difficult again parents in particular are not likely to believe that a spouse or immediate family member is engaging in sexual abuse and they will deny the abuse and make recognition of the problem actually greater so we want you to think about if you've ever thought that you might be making all of your abuse up or that your situation is not a big deal again that's me nicole totally or it was me not anymore and how i fix that is i replace my false belief with a true statement like i can only remember parts of this abuse but that's normal and i accept what i remember as real and it's also been helpful to actually call it what it has been so i go like this now when anybody asks me about my sexual abuse when I was a kid, I used to just say something sexual happened with me and a boy in the, in the streets. Well, now I say I was molested by, and I say the person's name. Because for me, that sets me free. Every time, it, there's no convolution there. There's no um, question what I'm talking about. It's clear, it's to the point, and it's direct. And I have to do that to myself. Well, it's funny because when Nicole was like, I remembered this weird. It's really not weird. Here's a little behind the scenes story for um, when it was just me, Nicole and Mariah. And we were talking about the do's and don'ts of what to say to a victim of sexual abuse. For some reason, it just brought an onslaught of memories of an incident that I had only talked about twice my entire life. And whenever I talk about having been raped, I only talk about two different times where I was drunk and i was looking at nicole and mariah we had paused recording and i was like yeah i just remembered this whole scenario that i just like had really forgotten about and it was so bad and my roommate was the only one who knew about it but i just so suppressed the memory and i remember my therapist had said that's your body and your mind's like natural defense mechanism against the trauma is just kind of pushing it down and forgetting about it so that you can carry on with normal life and not be debilitated by what took place and it isn't weird if you remember things in these weird fragmented like the way that i described it to my therapist was I feel like I'm looking into a black hole and there's like Polaroids floating around in that black hole of certain images that I have in my mind. It's the only way I can describe it and it's so weird and it makes me feel like, did it happen? And in that story that I told Nicole and Mariah, I actually called the boy that did this to me and I said, we need to talk about what happened. And he straight up said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I wasn't in West Palm. I haven't been there forever and it made me feel like I was crazy and I did start thinking we had we had smoked so I was thinking did I make up this whole thing and we hung up and I was like 
I have bruises on my body. Like I walked in crying to my roommate. My roommate saw me. I didn't make it up. But I struggled when he said that. I was thinking, did I just fabricate this story out of nowhere? And I'm psycho. Like this is finally some sort of indication that I'm having a crazy mental break is making up this story. So I don't think it's weird at all to suddenly recall things that happen to you out of nowhere. I think it has a lot to do with um, even just another side of that is like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, when we're talking about minimization, not only trauma stored in the sense of like, you know, you're surviving. So how come how can really one person um, hold all of that hurt and pain so our bodies do something with it to survive? And for me, um, like I like my brother says he doesn't remember any of it and he's like I don't know I don't remember any of that you know and um people are you sure that happened and so you're like it it gets you spinning of like do I remember it and do I remember it the way it happened I was so young how could I really remember um and even just like other people's comments of like are you sure it wasn't mutual or minimizing what happened? And I, you reminded me and you said like, yeah, I had bruises on my body. And when I tell people that when I feel like I need to, um, which I shouldn't have to defend myself ever. But in that sense, I was really convincing myself at that point where um, I had bruises. I did um, make a report to the police. You know, I did have a rape kick done because I wasn't sure it was that painful. And um, it was horrible. So I think in the sense of trying to make sense of something, especially when it's your family, like we're, I mean, it's, it's very confusing for your family and for yourself. And when other families are having a hard time um, dealing with that, you feel like I need to rescue them and not not be honest with them because they're having a hard time dealing with it so instead of speaking what's true and even how you're feeling um sometimes you just can't say that to the people you want to like your family absolutely and i think um what you were saying is right as far as you don't want to i don't want to cause problems right i don't want to cause um disunity um what happens in the family stays in the family um, you know, all those kinds of things are very destructive um, beliefs and messages. And that's why, you know, I encourage um, anyone, let's say this is happening to you now or it did happen to you before, find a safe person to tell. And for some people, for kids, and you know, it could be a teacher. If this is happening in the home and no one's willing to listen or you're too afraid to talk to your parents, you need to find, you know, a safe adult to talk to. Mm-hmm. You're not alone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that is it for this episode. And next episode, what we want to talk about is the consequences of believing the lies that we have talked about. So just a little snippet of it would be like low self-esteem, guilt, self-blame, and shame. But in order to hear more about it, you have to come back next week. I I just want to say, Nicole, I think that um, if you're listening right now and you feel some resistance within yourself, you're feeling frustrated, you're feeling annoyed listening to this. Um, or you're thinking like, no way, that's, that's not me. You know, yeah, this may have happened, but no, 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 that's not me. I'm not believing any of those things. My encouragement to you is to definitely keep listening, mm-hmm. come back, listen next week, because there's, we usually do have resistant be- resistance before we'll change. Absolutely. It's normal. I certainly did. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I mean, geez. Not me. <laughs> Cause you're perfect. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> 
No. So we will see you guys next week. We thank you again for listening. And just a little side note, if you want to share this with someone or if you want to make a comment of how this uh, episode was, please, please do that. The more you comment, the more you give us five stars or anything like that, the more visibility we get. And then that means the more people we get to reach. So thank you so much for listening. We love you. See you next week. Bye. 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 Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We would love for you to subscribe so that you can get each and every episode right away. We'd also love to see you rate, review, and share this podcast with your friends. Every time you share this podcast, it not only means the world to us, but it also gives us more exposure. So to learn more about us, go to treesofhope.org. Bye.